0: Thank you very much for being here today. We really appreciate it and have been looking forward to this, and uh, what a blessing it's been. Thank you, thank you. And that first song you saw uh, about love, uh, the one you just started this set with, uh, that's actually in our hymnal. I didn't realize that was a song that was in hymnals much, but uh, enjoyed reading along with the words. There was an old man who was on his deathbed, and he had made a little money in his life, but he was a stingy old man, and he wanted to take it with him. And so he called his pastor, his lawyer, and his doctor. And they gathered around him not long before he died. And he said, look, I know I can trust you guys. And he said, I don't want to leave anything behind. I'm going to take it all with me. And so I'm giving you each $100,000 in cash. And right before they close up the coffin and bury me, I want you to put it in my coffin. Okay? And they said, well, sure, you know, we're, we're trustworthy. We're a pastor and a lawyer and a doctor. And so, sure enough, the old man died and came time for the funeral and they had the service. And uh, at the service, the pastor went up and put an envelope in there. I started to say offering envelope. Uh, put an envelope in there. The doctor put an envelope in there. The attorney put an envelope in there. And they sealed the casket, took him out to the cemetery and buried him. On the way back in the limousine, the pastor broke into tears, just started crying. And the doctor and lawyer said, wow, we didn't realize this guy meant that much to you. What, why are you so broken up? And they tried to console him. And he said, oh, I've done a terrible thing. I, I, it's not the loss of him. I've just done a terrible thing. Well, what did you do? He said, I only put $20,000 in there. The church needs roof repairs, and that cost $80,000, so I kept 80000 I out. And he went on to explain. He said, I, I just I can't believe I didn't do what this man wanted. And the doctor said, well, since we're being so honest here, it's just the three of us. He said, "Uh, you know, I did the same thing. I only put put $25,000 because the hospital needs some equipment, some x-ray machines and so forth. So I kept back $75,000. And they looked at the attorney, and he was aghast. And he said, I can't believe you guys. You guys are terrible. He said, "Uh, I put in the full $100,000 amount. I wrote a check for every bit of it. Well, what are we talking about today? Same thing we talked about last week. I'm waiting. What's the subject? Money. We're going to talk about money. They say, oh, you're not supposed to talk about politics, money, and religion in church. I mean, religion, I guess you get by with, but you've heard that, you know. Don't talk about money. Uh, last week, we began this two part series on figuring out your finances, and I would like you to find these sheets. I know some of you are note takers, some are not. That's all right. But nevertheless, I want you to find these sheets. And I want to talk to you today about what I said we would dig in deeper. Last week I said we'd dig deeper on this subject, and I want to talk to you about debt. I want to ask a question. Anybody in this room have or has had debt? Raise your hand real big. You've had debt or you have debt? Wow, some folks don't raise their hand. That's amazing. We're preaching about lying next week. <laughs> Let's talk about debt. And I think this is going to be a very uh, practical, helpful matter today. And I want to begin by reading from the um, letter to Timothy. It's a great thing when a senior citizen, a person who has lived long and well, takes the time and trouble to write to a younger person and say, here's what I've learned, here's some advice. And we've got some seniors here, and uh, I know my dad is in the habit of writing to me and to his other two, to my two brothers, and to our, to his grandsons, and he gives us these letters. Now, here's my advice. That's a great gift. And Paul did the same thing for young Timothy. And I wish I had the time to flip through the pages because it's filled with advice. But we're going to start in chapter six. And if you'd like a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, on page 210. And I want to read a couple verses, starting with verse six. 1 Timothy 6.6. Paul says, of course there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Contentment. That's a key word when we talk about money. Then he says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many Senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Strong language, huh? He goes on to say, but as for you, man of God, shun all this. And then he tells Timothy what to do. I want to pick up reading in verse 17. As for those who in this present age are rich. Now, pay attention to how often Paul uses the word rich here. As for those who in this present age are rich, command them, not suggest, don't ask questions, command them not to be haughty. What does haughty mean? Proud, your nose in the air. Oh, look at me, you know, look what I drive or wear or whatever. I got those white things hanging out of my ears, you know. What am I talking about? iPods, yeah, you know. You're just not cool if you don't have those. The thing I bought has black ones. I think I'm out. Uh, Anyhow, as for those, he said, who are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, And to be rich in what? Good works. We are to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of life that is really life. And I want to underline that last phrase, taking hold of life that is really life. This week, Did you really live, or did you just exist, just get by? I mean, on Friday, did you get up and see the clarity of the sky? And after the sun was up, did you see the brightness in the sky, how richly blue it was after the rains had washed it clean? Did you gaze up on the mountains in their deep, dark green and just say, Wow, wish I could get up there on my mountain bike today. Did you breathe in the clean, fresh air and feel the crispness and the clarity? Did you really live last Friday? Or did you just sort of exist? Because what we're talking about today is about how to really live the richness of life. Now, I said we would talk about debt today, and let's, let's get into that. When um, Joyce and I first got married, uh, it was so long ago there was no such thing as premarital counseling or at least not much. And so we had no idea about the finances of the other person. And since we'd lived such a long life at that period, we were both very wealthy, 19. Um, And I can remember early in the marriage, sitting down, and we're paying bills. And she had put her money in the account. We had one account, and, you know, I don't think we had a savings account then. And so we're paying bills. By the way, for those of you who are married, I... Uh, I cannot overstate the value of paying bills, to get, paying bills together. Share the suffering. Be informed. Just do it together. One of you is better at it than the other. Don't delegate it to some person. Sit down and do it together when you pay your bills. Anyhow, we were doing that. And I said, what's this? And she said, well, that's the bills for the pots and pans. I said, what do you mean? Because we had all these new pots and pans. What do you mean? I mean, how can you spend that much money on pots and pans? Well, what had happened... When she was single, and some uh, salesman had come by, guess what he was selling? Pots and pans, and there's a what? An easy, easy, easy payment plan, so you can have these guaranteed for life pots and pans. They'll never wear out. And so she bought them, and we were making the payments. Now, we words were exchanged. I didn't realize pots and pans could cost more than cars. I had bought a lot of cars in my day, even at that young age. And uh, anyhow, that was our first, I think, uh, confrontation of debt. And it was not fun. It wasn't pretty. Not pretty. Uh, so today I want to talk to you about some things. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that in the past 21 months, Americans, that's us, have had a negative savings rate. What does that mean? Well, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and into the 90s of our country, Mostly, we've been savers, and so that there's not a negative savings rate, it means most people are saving or they're gaining. The past 21 months, most people in this country are not gaining, they're losing a negative savings rate. How's that for a, is that an oxymoron? 21 months, and so today I want to talk to you a bit about debt. Now, um, we're on our outline here, and I'm going to go through some of these very fast, but I want to share some things about how to get out of debt. This is not going to be comfortable for some of you. I know that. It's not necessarily comfortable for me to say it. Going over it, I said, why did I decide to talk about this? But uh, we're going we're to come at this, and I think it's going to be very helpful. To some of you, as I said last week, this is going to be like a pat on the back because you're going to say, wow, we're doing, we're doing it right. And so you can go away very encouraged. For some of you, it's like an arm around the shoulder, and we're going to take you from where you are in the direction of where you need to be. We can't get you there today, but we're going to put the arm around the shoulder and encourage you. And for some of you, it's going to be a kick in the seat of the pants, because you really need to kind of get jump-started on this issue. So let's talk about some danger signs. When you, These are signs of when you are entering the debt dungeon. First of all, number one, living on credit instead of paying cash and the scriptures are listed for you sometimes we'll read them sometimes we won't but on uh, for these we will read the proverb says don't withhold repayment of your debts don't let some other time don't say some other time if you can pay now there are two reasons people charge something number 1 you're not content you're not content and the second reason is you presume on the future you don't actually have the money to pay now so you think, well, eventually I'll be able to have the money and pay this off. And those are the reasons why we charge. It shows a lack of contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And yet we become uncontent, so we buy things on credit, or we presume on the future. Danger sign number two. First one, living on credit instead of paying cash. Danger sign number two. Delaying payments or paying the minimum due. Oh. I know as Christians, and especially as Baptists, we've never done this one, right? Um, if you're missing payments or making late payments or paying the least amount possible on your credit card, by the way, if you get a credit card and you make that minimum payment, figure out how long it's going to take to pay that off. You will faint at the amount of money you're paying to that credit card company. Um, if you're missing payments or the payments are delayed, the Bible says in Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Number three, if you're unable to tithe or save. Now, let me say to you, if you're a guest here, maybe you're here for the first time, second time, If you are, if you've not made a commitment to Christ, I'm really not, this doesn't apply to you. I'm talking to those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior. We've made a commitment to Christ. And so these words are to us. If you're unable to tithe or save... Now, let me ask two simple questions. Do you tithe? It's either yes or no. It's not maybe. Or the second question is, are you saving money? It's either yes or no. It's not maybe. Now, there are only two possible answers. If you say no to either one of those, I suggest to you that um, you may be slipping towards the debt dungeon or there's something wrong in your financial world. The Scripture says several things about this in Malachi will a man or better will a person rob god yet you rob me you ask how do we rob you in tithes and offerings proverbs 21:20 20. the wise person saves for the future but the foolish person spends whatever he or she gets proverbs 21:20 20. number 4 if you're unable to pay taxes you may be slipping into the debt dungeon The Bible says, in fact, the teaching of Jesus, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. Some of us fill out those quarterly, make those quarterly payments. You know, you pay four times a year. If you're behind on those or you underpay, you may be in financial trouble. Number five, extravagant spending. King Solomon, who was rich, said this, Indulging in luxuries, wine, and food will never make you wealthy. Extravagant spending is that kind of spending where you have the money to buy it. You really don't need it, but you buy it anyhow because you know you have the money. Or sometimes extravagant spending can be back to the debt thing. You really don't need it, but you buy it anyhow because you have the credit. It's just extravagant. Um, Garth Brooks, I had this quote last Sunday. It's so good we've got to repeat it. He says, you aren't wealthy until you have something money can't buy. We were walking out after the race yesterday. We took our grandkids and had them for the evening, and we were walking out of the garage over at their house. And seven-year-old Caleb—I should get him up here to say it, but he might not. Uh, he might get stage fright. He's walking out and he says, "Papa," and I said, "Yes." He said, "I have everything I need right here." I said, "Wow, it must be a Sunday school lesson or something." I said, "You have everything you need right here?" "Yes, God and Jesus." Not bad, huh? Uh, not bad. What does it mean to be wealthy? And I like Garth Brooks' statement, you aren't wealthy until you have something money can't buy. What truly makes us wealthy is not stuff we can buy. Now, number six, uh, the last of truly slipping into the debt dungeon, if you're looking for get-rich ideas, get-rich-quick ideas, The Bible says, steady plotting brings prosperity, hasty speculation brings poverty. Do you think a lot about getting rich quick? Do you kind of hope that out there somewhere, somebody's going to bail you out? Something's going to happen, and this is going to turn out all right. Let me remind you that our nation was founded mostly by God-fearing people who believed in hard work, steady work, and it would yield a gain in the end. When you look at people like Oprah Winfrey, Denzel Washington, Bill Gates, Michael Dell, and the list could go on and on. How did they get rich? It wasn't by playing the lotto or going to Las Vegas or getting an inheritance. It was by working hard and applying their extraordinary gifts. And I want to suggest to you, God has gifted you. Be diligent in using those and God will prosper you. And let's... Let's get away from this mentality that's becoming so prevalent in our country that we're going to get rich quick off of Las Vegas or a lawsuit or the lotto. That's not God's way. So let's take a breather here, and uh, you can look back over those six signs. I've, I've given you six uh, signs that you're entering the debt dungeon. I want to encourage you to look over those and say, this one is for me, this is where I'm struggling. And you might circle one of those and use that as you go forward to think about what you need to work on in your life. I mean, if you're not paying taxes, April 15th is coming, right? So you might want to work on that Uh, if you're spending extravagantly and so forth. So look back over this list on the page and see which one might apply to you. I want to be encouraging to you today, uh, our, it's our goal in worship to be helpful and hopeful and healing and to really bring you down the road as a Christian so that you can live the life that is truly life. And I think this will be helpful in that. Also, I want to encourage you, all things with God are possible. And you may realize today, whoa, you know, this is sort of a wake-up call to me. That's Okay. Turn to the Lord, turn to counselors, turn to others who can help you. You can solve the financial problems that you might be facing. And I want to encourage you that today. Two guys were on an island, or on an airplane, and they crashed into an island. And uh, they were stranded there, and as they crashed and uh, finally realized they were safe, not badly injured, they began to look around and take account of the resources they had. And one guy said, I'm going to go walk around the island, I'll be back in a minute, and uh, I'll just see what's out here. And his buddy said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, I make $100,000 a week. The guy kind of looks at him and takes off. And he comes back in a few hours and he says, friend, we're in big trouble. There's nothing on this island. There's no food. There's no water. There's nobody. We're alone. He said, oh, don't worry about it. I make $100,000 a week. The guy's kind of irritated. But anyhow, they took their few resources and got to sleep that night and woke up the next day and, I ate their power bars, and the uh, guy says, you know, I'm going to look a little more thoroughly around this island and see, you know, maybe I missed something. And his buddy says, oh, don't worry about it. I make $100,000 a week. And his buddy, uh, whatever, and he walks off. And he's gone all morning, and he finally comes back, and he said, we are in huge trouble. There's nobody on this island. There's no water. There's nothing. And he said, furthermore, I don't want to hear about how much you make because that just doesn't help me right now. His buddy said, well, sorry, but don't worry about it. I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe, and my pastor's going to find me. So I just want to encourage you today. If you're a tither like that, the church will find you somewhere. If not the pastor, by Dan Hayes and the board will find you. Oh. Okay, turn your page over if you would, and let's talk about... Eight steps to becoming debt-free, uh, to getting out of the debt dungeon. Eight steps to getting out of the debt dungeon. And again, we'll move through these pretty quickly, so hang on. Number one, commit to becoming debt-free now. You may not realize it, but there are people who don't owe any money. It would be a nice place to be, wouldn't it? And you need to make that. If you want to be debt-free, if that's a value, then you need to make that commitment. Um, the Bible says, The wicked borrow money and do not repay. Who borrows money and doesn't pay back? The wicked. That's not Steve saying that. You can look it up. Psalm 37:21. The wicked borrow and don't pay back. Now, the truth is that you may be so overwhelmed by your debt that you say, I think I need to be declaring bankruptcy. And I don't want to be offensive if some in this room have. And no doubt some have. But I want to ask you a question. As a Christ follower, bankruptcy may be legal, but is it ethical? Is it something we should be doing as Christ's followers? When we borrow, we ought to repay. The Bible says that very clearly and more than once. So commit to becoming debt-free now. And today I'm calling us to that. Now, one more comment. How long does it take to get deeply in debt? Well, it could happen overnight. For most of us, it's a slow slide. It takes a long time to get into debt uh, when you've got debt problems. How long is it going to take to get out? A long time. It's called work. It's not easy. So, again, let's raise that. Commit to becoming debt-free now. Step number one. Uh, By the way, some of you have already done the math. Six plus eight is what? Fourteen. Fourteen, Thank you. Um, You should go to APU, Eli. Uh, Be in the math department. So, this is a how-many-point sermon? Fourteen-point sermon. Can you imagine? (whistles) So, here's the deal. Uh, When you come back next Sunday, I'll make sure the sermon is pointless. (laughs) Number two. Harold is sitting here groaning. (laughs) These poor people, he says, with this pastor. Number two, start paying God and myself first. Now, here's a little plan, and I even if you don't fill in the blanks, look at this. Number two on this back page, 10-10-80 plan. Let's read the Scripture. Let's read it together. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Interesting. And you thought the purpose of tithing was to give the church money. Mm-mm. No. It's to teach you to put God first in your lives. Um, so much more I could say about that. Let me. Let me say, I don't know who first introduced this 10, 10, 80. It's not a biblical principle. I mean, financial people talk about it. A lot of people talk about it. I don't know where it came from. But I do know a hundred years ago, John Wesley, who was, he and his brother founded Methodism. He taught this principle to the Methodist church. Some have said John Wesley gave away 90% of his income. Uh, He gave a lot away. He lived very modestly. But this is a basic principle. Now, you may say, Steve, that's impossible. I can't imagine saving 10% of my money and tithing and then living only on 80%. Friends, I'm here to tell you that there are lots of Christian people who do it. Maybe lots is a bad word, the wrong word. There are some who do it. I know them. And it is possible. And if you can only save 1% and give 1%, start there and move up. But this is a great plan, and it's very practical. Number three. Now, this is where it gets painful. List all I own and all I owe. (laughs) All I own and all I owe. I've given you a second sheet, and this is just plain old hard work, but on one side you can list what you owe, and it's a pretty basic sheet. On the other side, and this is what really gets, this requires a lot of discipline, but if you for two weeks would list everything you spend, So that at the end of a period of time, two weeks, a month, whatever it is, you can go back and say, here's how much I spent on Starbucks coffee. I had a lady friend, uh, we were in a uh, Crown Ministries class together, and this lady said to me, uh, she couldn't believe how much per week she was spending on Starbucks. I mean, five bucks a pop, seven days a week, that's $35. That's a lot of money over a month. But it'll help you track your spending, so I hope that's uh, useful to you. Number four, have a sale have a sale sale s a l e yeah have a sale sell something now i want to read a story to you and it's a fascinating story it's found in the book of kings and i'll just read it because it's pretty easy to understand it's on it's in second kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 and there are a number of scriptures here that we're going to skip Um, in your outline, but they're listed there from this chapter. 2 Kings 4.7. This is about a preacher who died, and he didn't have any insurance or any income, and so his wife and family were left in bad trouble. Now, the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, "'Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come to take away my two children as slaves.' Now, because of progressive laws down through the centuries, you can no longer in this country be put in prison for your debts. But that hasn't always been the case, has it? And your children can't be taken away from you because of your debts, but it used to be they could. And it was that way in this day. So she says to Elisha, she's worried about this, Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil, he said. Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not just a few. How many vessels is she supposed to borrow? A lot. As many as she can. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring into all these vessels with... uh, when each is full, set it aside. So she left him, and shut the door. and her chil- shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her, and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, "Bring me another vessel." And he said to her, "There are no more vessels." Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, "Go, sell the oil." And pay your debts, and you and your children can live on the rest. Now, it's a fascinating story, but at the least understand, it's a story about God's provision. God helping her. Don't we pray, give us this day our what? Daily bread. God cares about what you need. And so I encourage you. Now, we said uh, point number four about getting out of debt was what? Have a sale. Have a sale. Listen to this. That's pretty creative of the woman, but there's somebody sitting there that says, oh, I could never sell that, and you're thinking of something maybe valuable, but you just couldn't sell it to help yourself out. When you have something you can't give up, what does that mean? You have an idol. Let me say it again. When you have something you can't give up, you have an idol. So one way some folks could reduce their debt load is simply to have a sale. Uh, number six. Number five. Set a repayment plan. Set up a repayment plan. The woman had a sort of a repayment plan here. Now, probably you cannot solve all your financial problems yourself. In fact, I encourage you not to try and solve it yourself. We now and then teach a good sense course. Several people have been trained to do that. There are some resources on the back of this sheet that you can look up and get help from. Uh, be careful who's helping you and their, their, their motives. But uh, you probably need outside help if you're in huge financial trouble. So set up a repayment plan. Call your creditors and let them know what you're going to do. Number six, add no new debt. Add no new debt. Do you remember the uh, Rolling Stones songs, I Can't Get What? No Satisfaction. You remember. VH1 called it the number one rock and roll song uh, in some survey. Um, Keith Richards, the guitar player, said that he woke up one night in the middle of the night with this rift going through his head. And so he got up, plugged in his guitar, played the riff and recorded it, went back to bed. Later, he played it for Mick Jagger and and Mick said, uh, yeah, well, let's do something. So they made it into an instrumental and only later added words. It's a huge rock and roll song and it probably defines my generation, baby boomers. What does it say? I can't get no satisfaction. So I try and I try and I try and I try, but I what? I can't get no satisfaction. Well, if that's our theme song from rock and roll, it's not what Paul is talking about, the life that's really living. Now, add no more new debt. If you're struggling with credit card debt, you may need to have a meltdown. You know what that is? A meltdown? Yeah, you get a cookie tray and you put all your credit cards on it. Just lay them out there in any order you'd like. And you heat the oven up to 450 and you shove it in there. And you bake them for about a 30-minute period or whatever it takes. And then you take them out, and you can do whatever you want with them after that. But you won't be using them. And if you can't control your credit card spending, best you do what? Have a meltdown. Because that's not your friend. Okay, so number six is add no new debt. What Jesus said, if your right hand defends you, what? Cut it off. Now, I don't think he literally meant you ought to sever your hand from its wrist. But there is a point there that if there's something offensive in your life that's dragging you down, you'd best deal with it. And you best deal with it harshly, severely, lest it destroy you. Number seven, share my plan with creditors. If you're deeply in debt, you're probably going to have to set up a schedule of paying things back. And you need to talk to the folks to whom you owe the debt. The Bible says, when your ways please the Lord, He will make even your enemies into your friends. And lastly, number eight, stick with it. Let's read this Scripture together. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up. Stick stick with it. As we can conclude today, I want to encourage you that uh, money is a spiritual issue. And I want to encourage you, if you're really struggling in this area, there are some resources, and I think this can get you started in the right direction, and I pray it does. But as we conclude, there is a debt that none of us can repay. That's the debt of sin. And God sent Jesus into the world to repay this debt. Uh, to to pay it off in a sense. And as I look back over my life, my mistakes, my sins, the ways in which I may have gone wrong and have gone wrong, what can I do about that? I can't live good enough to overcome that. And so what do I do? I trust in Jesus who forgives me of my sins, paid off that debt, has canceled that debt through His own death on the cross. And as the song was sung a moment ago, it's so true. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. So as I conclude... I want to invite you to to step away from the money issue for a minute and think about your heart. Has it been given to Jesus? And as you deal with these issues in life that can stress us or bless us, uh, do you do so with the sense of God's grace and provisions on your life? I've got a couple questions to end with. Are you taking hold of the life that is truly life? How's your life? And how is money impacting that? And remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Shall we pray? Lord, as we bow before you today, I'm just so thankful that uh, you have come in a way to, to offer us true life. Thank you, God, for the gift of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for the practical teachings of your word, Lord, which they're not there to be rules to give us pain. They're there to be Your word is the offer of life, rich life, abundant life, life full and free. Lord, I want to pray especially for that family or individual, a man or a woman today, who may be just struggling in this area of money. Help us each one, Lord, to turn to you first for your grace and your help, and then to really set in order those things which will be a blessing to us. I pray for that person, Lord, that you might encourage them today that you might send around them people who can bless them and lift them up. Thank you for money. Thank you for the amazing resources we have in this country. May we use them for your kingdom's glory. In Christ's name, amen.